Zara awakens to the sound of rushing water. A blindfold covers her face. The next thing she hears is her daughter's voice. At first, she is relieved. Leona is alive and in her own mind. Then Leona's voice becomes a scream, and Zara screams with her. A metal door opens, and she is taken into a cold, echoing chamber. The sound of water fades, along with her daughter's fearful cries. Zara does not know if they will make it out alive, but she resolves, quietly and to any god listening, to ensure their captors won't either. From Elderblade Productions, this is Echoes of Exesia, Episode 12, The Inquisition. I was only four years old when it happened. He was on an expedition in the jungles of Kaona. The trees there are special. One in particular was my father's target, the Arakai. Nestled in a trench as long as the Sundered Strait, its trunk twists and stretches for sunlight like some enormous snake. A berry plucked from its black branches is said to give eternal life. My father led twenty men through the jungle. They found the Arakai, but no berries. Instead, dangling by the dozen along every branch were hives of deadly wasps. My father told his men to run, and then just stood there, let the wasps swarm him like he was bait. Later, when they found the body, there was only a single sting mark. Hundreds of vicious, angry wasps, but only one took his life. When they told my mother and I what happened, his men said they'd heard no screams. Deep down, I knew they were lying. As I grew older, I appreciated the simplicity of it. This world can be so complex in its malice. It was no nefarious plot that killed him, no political design. A wasp stung him, and he died. With a final scrape of dagger on whetstone, the Inquisitor rose from her seat. Like a ghost, she glided through the cell towards me. She traced my cheek with the tip of her dagger. It pricked me like a needle, and blood trickled down. It was the only warm thing I felt. 
Things are not so simple these days, are they, Rowan? Things that die do not stay dead. She slashed my face. I grunted, forcing myself not to cry out. I would not give her the satisfaction. Not as long as I could help it. Chuckling, the Inquisitor stepped behind me. I kept my eyes focused on the torchlight beyond the cell. Its flames offered little distraction. How did you figure it out? I asked. My voice was foreign to me. Tired, quaking. I wanted to keep her talking, to prolong the coming agony. But I also wanted to know. After you remembered, how did you put the pieces back together? Ellipsis, her whisper invaded my ears. I've been working on the Black Sun project for several years now. New Alzar was the perfect place for me. Inclusive of Draelish, with a fluid social structure. All I had to do was flash a few shiny trinkets. They welcomed me with open arms. From there I talked my way up the ladder. Flirted, advised, consoled, gossiped. Anyone with a moat of power had my voice in their ear. Then I got into the senator's circles. Covertly, I reached out to diplomats from Roth and Azan-Ra, offered to share what I knew about the city. Agendas, defenses, personnel. Titans were about to clash, and I knew the jewel of Jindrakal would be the perfect arena. Thousands, I growled in rage. You killed thousands. I winced as the barest touch of her razor-sharp dagger poked at my jugular. Shh. It's rude to interrupt a story. The Inquisitor crossed in front of me and stared out the cell door. She didn't make a sound as she moved. From what I could see, she wore a black tunic and trousers. Her boots were made of a soft, supple leather that acted like a second layer of skin. Her dagger glinted in the torchlight. It was still dripping with my blood. At first, I was simply trying to even the playing field. Solust had been weakened since the war ended. Wrath, Azan-Ra, and New Alzar were our most formidable threats. We could never take them head on. Yet here was this big, shiny coin, Black Sun, that all three of them lusted after. If they could tear each other apart over it, Solace would have an opening. She turned, locking her scarlet eyes onto me. But the weapon was so powerful, the fright that powered it unrelenting. How to control for such a destructive potential? The ebon mist. I finished for her. Queen Songwake discovered our existence. She wanted both frights to kill each other. Well done, she smiled. Her resplendence's hatred for frights was most useful. 
I knew she would hire an agent of the mist to investigate Ellipsis. I had no idea it would be you, though. Not until the summit. When Ellipsis possessed you, it told me your true identity. Like wildfire, the memories blazed through my mind. The war, my battle with your regiment, the way your weasel friend Nix killed my comrades in arms, my thirst for revenge, and you, Rowan. In a flash of movement, the Inquisitor kicked me square in the chest. I wheezed as my chair pushed over and I fell on my back. I barely had time to realize what had happened before she was on top of me. You went back on our deal, human filth. I didn't think you had a soul left to sell, but you found a way. Nix and his worthless family should be dead. Her words lit an incandescent flame inside me. I thought of Leona on her makeshift pirate ship. The way Zara risked everything to protect her. Then I thought of Nix, his kindness to me in the war. The way he persevered in Sunscape, even when he lost everything. I spat in the Inquisitor's eye. She recoiled and looked at me with a mixture of shock and disgust on her face. I met her gaze, my body tight as piano wire. You're the worthless one, I said. I made a mistake fearing you. No pain you can inflict can be worse than what I've done to that family or myself. I've fought demons, monsters, and nightmares. I've been to the pit and back, trying to right my wrongs. Do what you want to me. I am Claude Von Der, and I will die with a clear conscience. The Inquisitor scanned me. Her hard expression gave way to amusement. She stood up and wiped the spit off her face, laughing quietly. All right, if you say so, Claude Von Der. Bending down, the Inquisitor picked up my chair and set it back on its legs. Again, she whispered in my ear, but I wouldn't be so sure about that last part. She walked towards the cell door. Out of a pocket in her trousers, she pulled out a metallic device the size of her hand. It appeared to have a button on the top. When the Inquisitor held it down, a tiny light on the device glowed red. A scratchy, fuzzy noise emitted from it. Send them in, she said into the device. Another scratching sound. What came next through the device were the sounds of two figures being dragged down a hallway. A metal door was opening. Crying, pleading, screaming followed. Mommy? Came Leona's voice. Mommy, where are you? Let her go! Shouted Zara. Gods damn you, let her go or I'll... The Inquisitor released the button. Pocketing the device, she took out a key and unlocked the cell door. Fury boiled in my stomach. I railed against my restraints, kicking and twisting. You can't do this, I said desperately. I won't let you. 
What I do is completely beyond your control, Von Dare. The Inquisitor opened the door of the cell. She stepped through and took the torch off the wall. She approached me again. Fate will not be cheated, and neither will I. The Ebon Mist is no more. Their deaths are inevitable, which is why I'm doing this. She flung her dagger straight at my legs. I braced myself, but there was no impact. Instead, I felt a sudden relief of tension around my ankles. Looking down, I saw that the dagger had sailed through the ropes binding my feet. You're a new man, so we'll make a new deal. I've let my quarry into this prison. It won't take me long to find them. See if you can free yourself in time to stop me. And with that, the Inquisitor quit the cell. There was no sound of footsteps, only the echo of her challenge ringing in my ears. The slow fading of the torchlight ushered in a swarming darkness around the cell. I wasted no time. With what little light remained, I edged the chair around and searched the cell floor for the dagger. It lay at the corner of the back wall, still spinning gently from its impact. Picking up the chair, I hobbled towards the dagger and fell over beside it. The back of the chair faced the dagger. Fumbling with my hands, I gripped the pommel of the dagger and dragged it closer to me. It took several attempts before my constricted wrists were able to position the blade near the rope binds. Sawing the rope was laborious, though made slightly easier by the sharpness of the dagger. Still, each passing second felt like an hour. Each beat of my heart was a beat closer to Zara and Leona's deaths. Try as I might, I could not stop the Inquisitor's last words from worming into my mind. What if she was right? What if I couldn't stop her? I'm sorry, Zara, I called out in my mind. I thought I would have more time. Please, just hold on a little longer. As if in answer to my prayer, the final threads of the bind snapped free. I stood up, bolting out of the cell. I moved so fast I nearly fell over. I didn't realize how tired I was, how long I'd spent strapped to that chair. My body was in poor condition to fight. The torchlight was long gone, and in the darkness I'd nearly stumbled into the cell across from mine. I took a moment to collect myself. I did not know what tricks the Inquisitor had waiting for me. I had no phantom ring, no Alzarian tech. Just one dagger, and a score to settle. It would have to be enough. I set out, into the dark hallways of the Inquisitor's prison. I rounded a couple corners, one cautious, testing step at a time, before coming upon a staircase leading to an upper level. The marbled steps were lit with shinestones. There were rusted iron railings and cobblestone walls pockmarked with chips and chunks missing. An iron door at the top was left open. Light poured out from a tiny crack. Eager to reach the light, I took the first step, and then immediately recoiled as a series of spiked lances erupted from the holes in the walls.
After a moment, the lances retracted. It was only then I noted the crusted blood at the foot of the stairs. A deterrent for escapees, I thought. Squinting, I saw there were select steps on the staircase stained with blood. It appeared to be every third step. Gingerly, I tried stepping down on the second step. Nothing happened. I climbed about halfway up, counting the steps with great care. I was almost comfortable enough to sprint the rest of the way, when the lances at the top of the staircase began to shoot out all at once. I flinched, standing perfectly still on the step I was on. I watched as the trick lances began to jut in and out at seemingly random intervals. I heard the sound of screeching metal from behind me. More lances began to drop down from the ceiling, even on top of the safe steps. They were coming down at a quickened pace from the bottom, and they were not retracting. They shot out so fast, it made sparks inside the holes of the walls. She must be doing this, I thought. I tried to stay calm. My eyes surveyed the traps ahead, looking for some kind of pattern. There were five more rows in total. At first, the pattern seemed completely incomprehensible. Then, a sequence took shape. The row closest to me went first and retracted slowly. The next went twice in short bursts, then retracted for a longer period. The third went three times, alternating in patterns of quick-slow-quick and slow-quick-slow. The screeching behind me grew louder and louder. I had seconds to make my move. By my calculations, I had about a second-long window between each row to make my jump. Bracing myself, I took the first leap. Something caught me by the shoulder. My shirt sleeve, ragged from misuse and more slack than expected, had caught on one of the falling lances behind me. My eyes grew wide as the second-long window closed. From either side of me, a half-dozen razor-sharp lances struck out like viper's fangs. I launched forward. My shirt tore in half, and my flesh was barely nicked by the lances. More came immediately after. Everything happened faster than I could process it. My mind shut down, and I relied on instinct to recall the pattern as I jumped from step to step. Quick, slow, quick. Two, three, one. Half jut and pause. The final row took me by surprise as only half of the lances I expected shot out, followed swiftly by the other half. I lurched to the side, tried to force my way through the door. The lances skewered me in the left leg as I passed, leaving a large gash in my calf. I fell through the door, eyes closed as I clutched my bleeding leg. When I opened my eyes, the bright light blinded me. At first, I could not make out what sort of room I was in. Then the light dimmed, and the room took shape. It was a gauntlet. A rectangular corridor, carved from sandstone. Twenty feet wide, about three hundred feet long. Wooden crates were strewn about haphazardly, creating obstacles to a shut iron door on the other end. Overhead shone a massive shinestone, and built into the top left side of the wall was a glass observation deck. Celestrian banners draped the walls, black and red, bearing the ram-headed crest of King Jinatas. The floor was flat, 
and coated in coarse sand. Directly to my right was a retractable stone door about ten feet wide. As soon as I realized what it was, it started to open. It was an animal pen. Inside the pen were two yipping, frothing, rail-thin wolves. Their fur was matted in dried blood and filth. I could feel the leviathan of their hunger roaring as they laid eyes on me, on my gaping wound pouring fresh blood into the sand. Without even a moment's hesitation, they charged at me. I'd never seen an animal run so fast. I barely had time to stand before the first one leaped at my head, jaws open. Their bloodshot eyes bulged and their muzzles drenched with saliva. I managed to duck under the leaping wolf and drove my dagger into its hindquarters. The wolf yipped as it fell, taking my dagger with it. The maneuver forced me to put more weight on my injured leg and I buckled. The second wolf hesitated upon seeing its counterpart injured and opted to pace around me steadily. The one I'd bloodied stayed behind, attempting to lick its wounds. I stayed knelt down, keeping my hands at the ready while the wolf paced around me. Wounded as I was, I tried to project strength, keeping my torso upright and combat ready. Internally, though, I knew I was done for. Even with one wounded, the two animals would be far too fast for me, far too hungry to give up. My only weapon was gone. My hands brushed the sand on the ground. All I have at my disposal is... The uninjured wolf flashed out at me. Primally, my hand scooped up a pile of sand and launched it at the wolf's face. It blinded him momentarily. I seized the moment. Propelling forward with my one good leg, I leapt over the first of the wooden crates. After that I forced myself to run, even though my wounded leg threatened to give with every step. From behind, I heard both wolves snarl and take off after me. The uninjured wolf was on me in an instant. I spun around as it lunged, vaulting to the side. I wrapped my arms around the wolf's neck and tried to hug its side flank as close as possible. The injured wolf bounded over a crate and took a swift snap at my legs. I swung my legs out of reach, using all my weight to pull my wolf's head between me and the other wolf's jaws. It worked to block the bite, but no longer. Even in their hungry, weakened state, these animals were far too strong. My wolf wrenched its head free of my grip. Then it rounded on me with a half jump, slamming its front paw into the side of my head. Everything went blurry. I crumpled, smelled the wolf's rancid breath as it growled in my ear. The stench of their fur, encrusted with carrion, rot, and waste, was overwhelming. Hot saliva dripped onto my bloodied face. I rolled onto my back, facing the two wolves as they loomed over my body, licking their chops. I tried to summon what little strength I had left. Please, I begged myself. For Zara, for Leona, I give just a little bit more. But there was nothing left to give. The Inquisitor was right. The universe wants to correct itself.
was a fool for trying to defy it. Now, there was nothing left for me to do but close my eyes and wait for... A shrill yip from the wolves snapped me out of my stupor. Raising my head, I saw them back away from me swiftly, heads bowed, tails between their legs. They retreated back to the stable. Looking behind me, I saw that the iron door at the end of the gauntlet had opened wide. There was nothing but darkness inside, but the wolves had certainly seen something that had scared them. I was confused. Was this the Inquisitor? I was on death's door, and she was sparing me. Was this all part of some elaborate torture? The indignation enraged me. Can't even afford me the decency of dying. Adrenaline surged in my veins. I felt my muscles come alive again. I pushed myself up to standing. My body tensed for a fight as I hobbled through the iron door. I could see very little in the next room. The only light came from the gauntlet outside. If the wolves come back, though, I'm done for, I thought. Reluctantly, I shut the door. My eyesight failed me, but my other senses didn't. I heard dripping water and smelled a vague soap scent mingled with dirt, grime, and rust. A bathhouse? I suppose the Inquisitor's playthings needed to be cleaned off after a fight. Feeling around the cool stone walls, my hands came upon several bathtubs, while my feet knocked into a tin bucket. Its racket filled the echoing chamber as it sailed across the room. I stood still, waiting for the ringing sound to fade from the chamber. As it did, I heard the vibration of another metal object nearby. Reaching out, my fingers touched the cold metal of a ladder. Rowan? Came a sudden voice behind me. I spun around. Standing before me was the silhouette of a woman with bull-like horns. Her red eyes shone just brightly enough to let me see her face. It's her. I sprung at the Inquisitor with a bloody wail. My fist jabbed into her throat. She pulled back doubling over and wheezing. I followed up with a cross to her jaw, then swung my arm up and put her into a headlock. By then the room started to spin. I was so tired and had lost so much blood. Rather than fight it, I kicked out the Inquisitor's knees with my good leg, then leaned into a fall, pulling her down with me. We both collapsed, and I focused my remaining energy on crushing her windpipe. I'm going to die, I thought. I'll bleed out, or those wolves will finish me. But by all the gods, you're going to die with me. The Inquisitor flailed to pull herself free. It was unsuccessful. In fact, it seemed as though she was weaker than I remembered. I began to feel as though something wasn't right. She wouldn't go down this easy, I thought. Bro, when... The Inquisitor choked out. It's me. I released her. The false Inquisitor rolled onto her stomach, heaving for air. Slowly, I began to see black smoke seep out of her clothes and envelop her form. 
her form undulated inside the smoke cloud. Finally, it dissipated, revealing a smaller, quivering silhouette. A metal door opened up from above. Light poured in. It was too blinding for me to see who was up there. I could, however, see who was on their knees before me. Horror clenched my throat. Nix, I breathed. His frame was as withered as it was back in Sunscape. His skin was reddened, perhaps from his travels in the sea of last breaths. He had the same ratty, brown hair and bloodshot green eyes as before. He looked at me, his gaunt face wrought with confusion and anger, eyes brimming with tears. Neat little toy you have here, Von Der, the Inquisitor said from above. The Inquisitor, presumably the real one, was standing at the door of the hatch above, watching us. I caught a glimmer of blue sky above, and heard the rushing of water. In one of the Inquisitor's hands, I recognized a familiar black rectangle. I hadn't seen it since my battle with Starsired in New Alzar. I'm so pleased, said the Inquisitor. I'd worried that Nyx would have been able to resist the false face even after I drugged him. Though it would have been nice if you'd finished the job. Poetic justice and all that. Scorch you to the pit, I shouted. Come down here and let's finish this. Oh, I'm afraid it's already finished. All that's left for me is to set the stage for your demise. And since you won't be killing each other, I believe a change of venue is in order. When you're ready, come join us up here. I'm sure Nix's wife and child are dying for a family reunion. The Inquisitor slammed the hatch shut. The metal thud rang out through the dark, damp bathhouse. It soon faded, leaving Nix and I sitting in electric silence. My feelings warred with each other. My face was hot with rage, my stomach heavy with guilt, my heart dead with sorrow. The Inquisitor had simply been playing with me, and even then I barely survived. I looked over at Nix, my friend, whose trust and good faith I'd betrayed, my comrade, who I had murdered and would murder again with my failures. He shook his head at me, confused, frightened, broken. Rowan, what have you done, mate? Echoes of X Caesar is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand. Questions or comments, email us at echoesofxcaesar at gmail.com.